Welcome to the Swim Swam Breakdown. As always, I'm your host, Coleman Hodges, coming to you from Austin, Texas. Apparently today, we are the Corduroy Crew. Uh, so we've got Yinyan Lee as well joining me from Madison, New Jersey. Yinyan, how was your Thanksgiving? My Thanksgiving was pretty good. Um, yeah, <laughs> it wasn't very eventful, but it, it was it was fun Thanksgiving. I got really tired like immediately after I ate and I couldn't really spend that much time with my family friends because I was just knocked out. But other than that, it was good. That's the, they say turkey does that to you, right? Yeah. Turkey makes you sleepy. Yeah. I ran a 5K on Thanksgiving and that made me sleepy also. Mm. So Yeah. You see, I was going to run a 5K, but I usually run the 5Ks with my dad, but he was sick this year. So we did mm. not run the 5K. So I just ran for a good 45 minutes, like a few days afterward, just by myself. Wow. Good for you. I, <laughs> I ran a 5K and now I'm sick. So oh, no. me and your dad took like opposite paths. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, it's all good. Good Thanksgiving. Hope everyone out there had a great Thanksgiving. And uh, let's resume talking about swimming. Because swimming, got, let's go. We, there was a lot. There was a lot to talk about. Um, we saw our first week of midseason invites. Um, among among others, there was the Georgia invite, Tennessee invite, uh, there uh, NC State invite. There were a few others that there, there were actually a lot of others. A lot of big swims. Um, Yinyan, let's start with you. What were your biggest takeaways from that first week of midseason invites? To me, this year's mid-seasons wasn't about what the top swimmers could do because we all saw what people like Gretchen Walsh, Hubert Koss, Jordan Cruz, Josh Lando could do, and they swam really well, don't get me wrong. But what stood out to me the most this mid-seasons was the amount of swimmers that really emerged and came into their own, and very much so as a team. You saw, I wrote an article a few days ago about uh, it was titled uh, the rumor of these certain teams demise have been greatly exaggerated and i zoned in on stanford specifically the stanford freshmen usc alabama and the asu woman these are examples of teams that had a few setbacks or just maybe weren't that great in previous years but they really stepped up and impressed me during mid-seasons and I, I want to add on other teams like Georgia, uh, their women's distance free group, Dune Coetzee with the four, four 40, 432, Rachel Steggy with the 435, and then you've got the Michigan woman stepping up. Um, wait, no, I got it wrong. Rachel Steggy went 432, Dune Coetzee went 4035. And the Michigan woman with Hannah Bellard and Katie Crom doing really well and they're starting to make some strides with uh matt bowie Steph stephanie balbusini so to me mid-seasons and i could go into more detail on this later if you want me to home it but to me mid-seasons was a lot about these new teams or just teams that we didn't expect to be really good really emerge this year and i'm really excited to see how they can carry over to championship season Absolutely. And I think <clears throat> this, to me, it goes back to what we were talking about a few weeks ago um, on this show, which was that because the regular season has gotten so much faster than it has in previous years, 
Um, you know, people are going, people are suiting up for dual meets very regularly. People, people are going really fast, unsuited in dual meets in October. Um, the, the mid-season invites were not going to be quite, there wasn't going to be quite as much of a leap for, for those top athletes and for those top times, which I don't think there was, you know, it's like, we all thought Gretchen Walsh was going to go fast. We all thought, as you said, Josh Leendo, Jordan Crooks, we, we all thought they were going to go really fast, which they did, you know, all have nation leading times at this point. Uh, so there wasn't that big leap, um, or we didn't see our expectations get blown away. But what we did see was that the rest of the country <clears throat> and a lot of those, you know, non all-star swimmers, but still really, really good swimmers are dropping a lot of time or are getting those swims that are kind of turning heads or, or popping some eyes. And, uh, and so I think that's really exciting. And I think that's what a really fast dual meet season sets the, sets the stage for is for a lot of those swimmers who don't quite do it in season. Um, but they, then they can raise their expectations of themselves and raise their level of competition and, and start, start nailing some really, really NCAA a time kind of swims. Um, and so that, that was really fun for me to see, um, some of those swimmers that you hadn't heard of before and, and some freshmen, you know, we, we always see this from the mid season meets, but, um, Katie Kowate, Chowate, uh, of Florida. Oh yeah. Yeah. Then the 200 back. Yeah. Yeah. one fifty one nine in the tuner backstroke who we didn't even, you know, I had never heard that name before that. <clears throat> um, but you know, we're seeing some, some really good swims. Um, Molly Maine, another Florida freshman who went 58, six in the hundred breasts, uh, Barrett Berglund from Texas, 50.7. So we, we get to see, uh, some freshmen re really shine Johnny Marshall from Florida, 138.5 in the tuner back. Um, and so I think those were my two big takeaways is that as always, we get to see freshmen kind of do their thing and see, see how their training is going as well as we, we've seen the level of competition just rise and rise and rise. And I think that is a product of the dual meets getting faster. And so the mid season is going to get faster as well. Yeah. And I think this overall makes swimming more interesting as a whole, because I don't want to keep on hearing about Gretchen Walsh and Jordan Crooks every single week. And I mean, they're great, but ultimately this is a sport with hundreds and hundreds of swimmers and getting to see a lot of these different teams that maybe don't get as much attention for their dual meet swims, swim fast at mid seasons. I think it's great for the, great for the sport. It makes it more interesting and there's a lot more to talk about. And I agree Coleman with your point about the freshmen. I think freshmen overall are the most unpredictable group of swimmers, both on the men's and the women's side. And a lot of them more so than others don't really show their cards in dual meets because they're so, still kind of adjusting to things. Except for Ilya Karun. Ilya Karun's a whole other story. But a lot of these freshmen really, truly emerged in mid-season. Like you see Rex Maurer, you see um, Molly, Molly, Molly Main, mm. uh, Barrett Berglund, all, all these <coughs> swimmers. And they're, they're definitely a really exciting group of swimmers to keep it, keep in track and keep, keep track of. Oh my God. Um, and I also want to add, I didn't bring this up before, but there's a, there were a lot of 
mid not mid-major swimmers but swimmers that you just haven't really heard of and aren't on teams that aren't super prominent in swimming swim fast and i have two specific examples jake i think that's how you say his name jake horner of utah having the top time in the country in the 100 breasts right now really goes to show how wide open this event is and then the 100 fly jordan tiffany of byu going 44 8 i think those times stood out to me because they're from programs that typically don't really make an impact at ncas and i i didn't know either of those swimmers existed before this year so i just thought that was cool yeah i mean it's <clears throat> it's always fun when you have a wide open event um like the men's hunter breast which seemingly has been uh pretty much on a lock the last few years with max mm -hmm. McHugh. i mean it's i think we've made it out to be a little more open than it has ended up being but you know he was the three-time nc2a champion mm -hmm. um and now that he's gone you know, there is really no clear favorite, um, but we have a guy from Utah uh, at 51-3 leading the nation right now, um, which is really fun to see. I'm curious, is there is there one swim throughout the whole week of mid-season invites that stood out to you or, or, or that, that is your favorite, Yin Yin? Hmm, my favorite? I think it's got to be Johnny Marshall's 200 back. Um because he was stuck at 141.99 that was his best time for the last two years he didn't drop his senior year i remember ranking him in my list of recruits and that was the one thing really holding me back from placing him higher because he wasn't really dropping in his best event but and to just see him then drop over two, over three seconds at invites and post the second fastest time in the country. I thought that was a really big time swim for him. No kidding. I mean, especially as a freshman, um, he seemed to be doing really well in practice when I was filming at Florida. And I think he had a really solid dual meet against Virginia as well. And so it was like, okay, this, yeah, it seems like this guy is going to make some noise. And <laughs> he certainly did. Um, I think the one for me, that really stood out to me was Rachel Stegi's 500 free, as you mentioned earlier. She goes 432.8, almost uh, beat, you know, dukes it out with Bella Sims and almost catches her, who is a 428, yeah, 427, 500 freestyler. Um, and then, you know, on top of that, just her trajectory of at the 2023 SEC Championships. She went 436, which was her first time breaking 440. Um, then she has a great Pan American Games, wins the mile, and now she's 432.8 in the 500 freestyle. I mean, her she's just going pew, 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 um, just really leveling up. And so really excited to see what she can do for the rest of the season. That's midseason in a nutshell. If you didn't follow along with the rest of the midseason invites, uh, check out Swim Swam. Go go look and do a deep dive into all the top times and <laughs> what everyone did. We've got one more week of midseason invites coming up this weekend, um, and that is highlighted by the Minnesota invite, where notably uh, the defending champs on the men's side, the Cal Bears, will be competing. The Cal women will be competing there as well. 
I mean, I think that's really our, our only big, big meet or, or top 25 team meet of this weekend. Um, what are you looking for in this week's Minnesota invite union? Coleman, you, you made, you made a bold statement before you're telling swim slam breakdown listeners to read swim slam. <laughs> so bold. I mean, it, it could apply because there are a certain few readers who like to not read our articles and then go through the comments. That does happen. So, but no, I, I just thought that was funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, for me, the Minnesota invite, I, I don't want to be a hater, but this invite just is not as exciting as it has been in past years. Like, for me, it's really just one team. I mean, Minnesota could be excited. They've got Megan Van Bergen. They've got Barcelona, but really, this invite is just a test for Cal, and especially the Cal men. The only question that I feel like possibly could be answered from this meet is whether the Cal men, like where the Cal men is are at compared to ASU, because the main battle at NCAs this year is going to be between Cal and ASU. But then there's also going to be all these variables about how Cal doesn't go fast at mid-seasons and nothing matters to them until March. We're definitely going to hear some people say that. Um, it's it'll, it'll be interesting to see how Cal approaches this meet. In the past, we've seen teams like Texas, Michigan, Wisconsin all go to this meet and provide some pretty stout competition for the Bears. And so without that, is it going to be kind of like how they approach Pac-12s where they're going to be, you know, fully bearded and not rested at all? And I think that's how they've approached it in the past anyway. But are we going to see them put up those times that are still very elite like in the past? Or are they just going to kind of swim through this and and really not focus on it a whole lot. Um, it'll be interesting to see if their approach differs at all for, from uh, past years. Oh, for sure. And especially since the battle, there's like a deeper narrative between the battle between Cal and ASU at NCAs because it's a battle between two teams with completely different approaches to the season because you've got ASU suiting up every single meet and then you got cal which is probably the most quote unquote nothing matters until march archetype team in the nation at least in terms of top teams so these are two polar opposite teams going at it and they're the two top teams in the country and i just think that's really interesting and that's why i'm also curious to see if cal's going to change their dynamic their way of approaching mid-seasons with what's going on with their rivals um and to me the most exciting the most the thing i'm most excited about for this meet is again to see the freshmen because cal the cal men and the women as well have some pretty good freshman talent on the men's side they've got aaron shackle who i feel like we haven't seen too much of him this season keaton jones roman jones rob alexi and then Catherine Hazel on the women's side. I'm always excited to see how the freshmen do. And mid-seasons is really one of the meets where they fully show their cards 
So that's what I'm most looking forward to alongside the whole ASU versus Cal narrative. Well, I feel like those two play into each other a, a, a lot, right? Because if Cal is going to defend their NC2A title this year, they're going to need some of those freshmen to step up and at least, I think, qualify for the meet or kind of raise that bottom floor. Um, whereas like ASU, we know that they have freshmen who are, who are rolling and who are already not only have already qualified for NC2As, but are already scoring on paper. Um, and Cal does not have that boost from <clears throat> their underclassmen yet. So it will be interesting to see, yeah, if any of those freshmen can really show out and, and, and make a statement of, all right, we might be able to contribute to NC2As as well. Because I think that'll be a big part of them defending their title if they're going to get past ASU. Yeah, and Coleman, I think we talked about this a few months ago when the season first started on how ASU has freshmen who we know are going to make an impact right away, whereas Cal has more top freshmen. And it's sort of about whether Cal's freshman class combined can outscore what ASU has in Ilya Karun, maybe one or two big stars, versus Cal's batch of stars that maybe are on the level of Ilya Karun yet, but they're really going to be the X factor in deciding which school comes out on top. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, be paying attention to the Minnesota invite this weekend. We'll have full coverage on Swim Swim as always. And the other big meet happening this weekend in Greensboro, North Carolina, mm -hmm. is the U.S. Open. I wasn't even going to go to this meet. Uh, I thought it was going to be kind of kind of a sleepier meet until Psych Sheets came out five days ago, and Mel called me and was like, "Coleman, you're going to this meet. <clears throat> no ifs, ands, or buts, because everyone and their mom is going to this meet. We got mm -hmm. Kayla Dressel, we got Katie Ledecky, we got Summer McIntosh, we had Leon Marchand. He has since pulled out with illness. Michael Andrew, Ryan Held, Brooks Curry, Ahmed Hafnawi, Carson Foster, Shane Casas, Kate Douglas, Alex Walsh, Gretchen Walsh, Tori House, Lily King. That's like the tip of the iceberg. It's the Avengers. <laughs> it's everyone is going to this meet. If you are a U.S. swimmer or a non-U.S. swimmer training in the States, and even some non-U.S. swimmers who don't train in the States will be here as well. It's, it is a stacked meat from top to bottom uh yin yin it's famously it filled up in three hours or something and now we kind of see the reason for that uh give me give me your top couple one two three storylines that you're most excited for for this meet what are you going to be looking for at the u.s open Coleman, I don't know why you thought this meet was going to be a snooze fest. Come on. Major long course meet. <laughs> I think, not during mid-seasons, before an Olympic year. I think it's because it was in Greensboro, mostly. Uh, there's no direct flight to Greensboro, so I didn't want to go for that reason. But then also, it was like, I don't think people are going to show up to Greensboro. Or like, I didn't think everyone was going to show up to Greensboro. And how wrong I was. Come on. It's in Greensboro literally every year. <coughs> and people show up. Um, but I'm excited for this meet for two reasons. One, 
because it is this big pre-Olympic year long course meet, I think everyone's looking to get long course swimming in. So everyone's pulling up. And I said this in a tweet yesterday, but this is the most excited I've been for a non-trials or championship meet this entire Olympic cycle. I have never looked forward to a meet of, of this caliber, no stakes as much as this one. And I'm also excited because this is my first time actually sitting down and watching swimming since World Championships because I haven't had the time to do that. And I'm finally getting to do that this week. And I'm I'm really excited to do that. <clears throat> and uh, going answering your question about top matchups, obviously, you know, you know, I love the women's 200 IM. And this race has going to have all the major players that I thought we were going to have at Worlds, but we some stuff happened because uh, we've got Kay Douglas, Alex Walsh, Summer McIntosh. We're really only missing Kay McEwen because uh, the Australians are doing their own thing. Uh, but but I think the Aussies if, have... If the Aussies came to Greensboro, the, my <laughs> mind would explode. <laughs> yeah. Australia to Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, but I think the Aussies have some of their own domestic meets going on as well around this time. So it'll be interesting to see if McEwen shows up to swim at those meets and we can compare her 200 IM time to the times we saw from Walsh, Douglas, and McIntosh at this meet. I just really hope nobody scratches because the 200 IM happens on the same night as the 50 free and the um for the 400 free and those are events that summer macintosh and kate douglas swim so please nobody scratch i really need to see this event. <laughs> um and mm. some other yeah uh, some other matchups um that are going to be exciting ledecky versus macintosh as always um and then reagan smith and the u.s backstrokers that's always going to be fun fink and hefnawi the rematch we saw a lot of that at um, Pro Series last year, but now that we know the implication of their rivalry and we've seen it on the biggest stage, there's going to be higher stakes. So those those are my takeaways from U.S. And, Open hype. I mean, now that uh, Half Now he's no longer training in Indiana, he's training with Schubert in Southern California. We'll get to see. I don't like he's only been there for maybe a month, so it's not like. I don't think anything we're going to see anything drastic, but maybe he's super tired. Um, and we've also now see half now win and Fink win, right. When they've gone head to head on the, on the world's biggest stage. And so it'll be really exciting to see that rivalry continue. Now that we've seen both of them win gold in distance events. Um, going back to your point, of just being excited for a long course meet. This feels to me very similar to <clears throat> um, the pro swims like leading into an Olympic year. I remember the Santa Clara pro swim in 2016. Um, Sun Yang was there. I think um, Park Taehwan was there. James Magnuson, I believe. It's like you saw a lot of big international talent traveling um to get in really elite long course race reps and and to race some of the best in the world and those you know it made it so exciting to see all of these not just u.s athletes but um international athletes gathering at this one meet to 
to just, you know, get those reps in of racing the best of the best. And to your point, this very much feels like that. You know, I don't think we're going to see any of the other pro swims have this kind of a turnout. Mm-hmm. Um, we only have three Knoxville in January, Chicago or Westmont in March, um, which is suburb of Chicago and San Antonio in April. And I maybe Westmont in March, but again, that's kind of wonky with the college season. Mm-hmm. I just don't think because of timing and location, none of those seem like they're going to get the turnout that this U S open is getting. Um, but because this is right before Christmas, it's right after mid season invites. So all the college teams want to go. Um, and, and again, it's, it's right before Christmas. So kind of for an, from an international perspective, it makes it a little more enticing, but you know, for what it, the stars have aligned at this meet, it seems like. And so it's, it's just, it is really exciting and we'll get to see a lot of great matchups and, I think this is a great way to kind of kick off that uh, Olympic Olympic year or pre-Olympic year, as it were. Um, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of great matchups. I'm I'm excited to see Caleb Dressel. I, I want to see what he's got. Yeah. Um, yeah. We saw him have some really good short course races at the UVA Florida dual meet. <laughs> um which I was fortunate enough to be there for. And that was really exciting. And we got to hear some insight from him about that. And so it, it'll be great to see what, what he can do suited up and long course at this meet, I think. Yeah, I'm really excited for this meet. One of the reasons why I'm excited is because it sort of rips the Band-Aid off for a lot of these American swimmers who we haven't seen compete since either nationals or world champs. So this is almost half a year without seeing a lot of them swim if they don't really compete in college and I think this can answer a lot of questions we have about the Americans that has sort of been building up over the last few months especially since they struggled at world championships I I saw a commenter say this and I sort of agree a lot of them sort of want to get their revenge make up for it and that really starts from the U.S. Open agreed um so yeah it'll be a really exciting meet follow along on swim swim obviously and then just a couple months after the u.s open we have got another long course racing opportunity in the 2024 world championships in doha real real wrench in the system uh a lot of thoughts on this one Mm. u.s finally named their roster for this meet just 18 swimmers including five women and 13 (laughs) men Um, and from that, I think to me, the most interesting narrative was that you saw a lot of pro group, you you saw pro groups really going one way or the other, right? All of the Texas men who were eligible are on this team. All of the Virginia men and women who were eligible on this team or who, I guess, who are not in college. Um, yeah, so this is purely pro groups. Um, you got the sandpiper, the two sandpiper women, they're going for it, but then no, no pros from Florida, no pros from Arizona state, uh, only Hunter Armstrong from, from the Cal contingent, you know? And so it's like, you really got these pro groups leaning one way or the other, right? They're either all in or all out. And to me, that shows that the philosophy heading into this is that you either don't want to travel internationally for during an Olympic year so that your 
training cycle doesn't get messed up and mm. you, you, you know, you cut out the factors, you cut out the what ifs and you're just staying at home preparing for Olympics. That's the goal. Or you're using this as preparation for the Olympics and you're saying, Hey, I get practice traveling internationally. I get practice competing internationally. This is a good thing for me. And it's far, far out enough from the Olympic trials where it's not really going to affect how I perform there. What's your philosophy in this yin yin? What, what do you think is the right decision? Mm. I personally don't understand why more swimmers, especially pros, aren't taking the opportunity to take, to go to this meet because one, the prize money, the prize money, people keep on complaining about how swimming is not a sustainable sport for pros and that you don't earn enough money by swimming, but here you've got you've got this very low stakes meet that's not going to be as competitive as it has been in past years and you're getting you're getting $20,000 for winning and you're getting money for placing top 8 and i don't know i just don't see why you wouldn't capitalize on the opportunity and also for a lot of newer swimmers more rookie type swimmers this is a great chance to get some international experience without the pressure of having to qualify i actually spoke to jack akins last week um and he gave me some insight on his decision to go to world championships he said that this was a choice a personal choice that he decided to make it wasn't just like oh because kate douglas and claire curzon are going so i'm just gonna go as well but he put thought into this and he decided that ultimately it would be the best for him because it would give him international experience since he wants to make that Olympic team. And he's redshirting, by the way. Um, um, yeah, so for the experience and the financial incentive, I don't see why more pros are not taking this opportunity. I get it. I get if you're in the college season and you don't want to go. But this whole, I'm not going to do this to focus on the Olympics. Maybe, maybe it's because I'm not a swimmer, but I just don't. I just don't get why you need to have six months of just training and nothing else just to prepare for one meet that only happens every four years. You don't see that in any other sport. In track and field, you see athletes at Diamond League meets all the time. In other sports, they have games every week, even though they also have a big competition. At the end of the year, swimming is really one of the few sports where you just spend so many months isolated in this state of training and not get the opportunity to compete and i just i just don't get why people would willingly do that i i would be bored out of my mind and go insane i agree and i think especially during the olympic cycle like you want to get the best training and you can obviously and you want to have fewer variables so that you're you can get in the best training and you're getting the best nutrition and you're kind of in your groove and in your mode and in your habits but the reality is it's not going to be like that at trials it's not going to be like that at the olympics and that just gives you more time to think about olympic trials and the olympics right and to potentially psych yourself out and um this is kind of an extreme example of that, but I'll go back to um, James Magnuson, who I think before the 2012 Olympics, 
they had their Australia had their trials in like March, I think March or April, which a lot of countries do. And then like, he just didn't race between the trials and the Olympics. He might've raced like once. Um, and so then he gets to the Olympic, he just trained, right? He just kind of did that thing of like, okay, not, I, I made the team. I'm just going to go back to training and like focus on that. And then he got to the, the meet and was like, Oh crap. Like, how do I do this again? You know, <laughs> it's kind of like yeah, out, exactly. out of practice. And, um, I mean, I, I, I'm with you. I think more swimmers, it, it, it makes sense to me for more swimmers to go to this meet because I guess you could get sick or, or something could happen that keeps you out of the water for, you know, a period of time. But I think this is also just one more opportunity for you to get good race reps in and to win money, um, to get world titles. It's like, I, <clears throat> this is kind of a, a joke world champ, not a joke world championships, but you know, Mickey mouse, <laughs> Mickey mouse world championships, I think is a great way to describe it. Yeah. And so like for someone like Katie Ledecky, I understand not going, um, which pains me to say, but, but I think for other swimmers, it's like, it would be nice. It would be nice to see them race. And I don't think you, it, it needs to be that serious of a, of a thing. But to your point, I'm not a swimmer, you know, I swim in high school. So the, I, I, they obviously are making what they think is the best decision for them. And uh, to be totally fair, I think it's easy for us from the media yeah, side. Yeah, to that's true. It, so, that's you know, that's just our take. We realize yeah. there are other opinions and takes, but it it, yeah. it is a little disappointing to see such a small roster, but I think it will be exciting to see those who are on the roster compete at this meet. It'll just be a, yeah. a fun meet to cover, I think, period. Yeah, I'm really excited for this meet. Yeah, just because it'll be, I think, so nuanced, right? The people who were there will probably be swimming pretty fast, um, and, and we'll see who ends up being there. Um, so that's, Feel free to yell at us in the comments about how insensitive we are. Please do, yeah. We would love to hear your takes on the 2024 yeah. World Champs because everyone's is going to be hot, I'm guessing. Uh, so on that note, let's transition to sink or swim because I want to start with actually a surprise sink or swim oh. uh, relating to these world championships. First up today on sink or swim. Will not going to the Doha World Championships affect Katie Ledecky's legacy? Sink or swim. <laughs> and I say this because, because technically on paper, her streak of winning six straight 800 free world titles will be broken because she will not be at the competition. I'm going to sink it. <laughs> I know I was giving swimmers crap for not going to this meet, but ultimately this is a low stakes meet. I don't think, I don't think it quote unquote counts as a legitimate world championship. So not going to a meet that a lot of people aren't going to is not going to affect Katie Ledecky's legacy. Maybe in the eyes of the mainstream media, if they see there's like a, a, a gap in her, 800 free streak it's not she didn't win the 200 2024 world title maybe there there people people are gonna think that 
it negatively impacts her um, legacy, but to the swimming world, no, it does not. Yeah, it's. I have to sink this also. I just thought it would be a fun question. I. Uh, it is unfortunate that the media cares more about historic things like a the like media than swimmers do. <laughs> like, I wish Katie Ledecky would just be like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to this meet and only swimming the 800 free." so that my win streak continues, you know, uh, or just like sw swim a normal slate of events. But she's not doing that because I, she doesn't, she cares a lot more about the Olympics than she does this, this uh, Doha World Championships, which I think is totally fine. Uh, I don't think this will affect her legacy. People will probably put an asterisk next to like her win streak, but her undefeated streak will be intact. And I think that is really what matters most. She's she's already the only person to ever six peat at a world championships. I don't think that's going to get broken anytime soon. So I, I don't think like <clears throat> the opportunity of missing out on a seven peat is going to really do much mm. for her. All right, now on to the real sinker swims. Um, we put out uh, what I thought was a very interesting article about how many swimmers have reclaimed a world record. We hadn't seen someone reclaim a world record since 2015, when both Sarah Showstrom and the 100 Fly and Cameron Vandenberg in the 50 Breast did it. But in 2023, at the World Championships, we saw three swimmers. Well, okay, sorry. Wasn't all at the World Champs, but it was all during the World Champs. We saw three swimmers do it. Ariane Titmus did it in the 400 free. Uh, Ruta Melutite did it in the 50 breast. And then Clement Kolejnikov mm -hmm. swimming at some Russian meet that was not the World Championships did it in the 50 backstroke. Uh, I'm curious if you think we will see someone do it in the, in the year 2024. I'm going to swim it. I think Summer Mackintosh <laughs> is going to reclaim her world record in the 400 free. Just because she is just on that trajectory of rising and getting faster and faster. And I'm not saying this means McIntosh is going to beat Titmus at the Olympics. I'm just saying she will at some point reclaim her world record in the 400 free. I could totally see them trading this world record back and forth, but I'm, I'm going to swim it. Um, and and that's a, I think that's a good point also because the first time Summer McIntosh broke it, it was at Canadian Trials. Um, and so, you know, I think there's a, there's a good chance she, she might do that again. Although I would like to think that as she matures and becomes a more experienced athlete, she'll probably have a better gauge on when to go all in on a swim versus, you know, just kind of do what needs to be done. Uh, I think I'm going to sink it i don't see any record that like really stands out to me as like oh yeah so and so is gonna get that one back like it would be really funny if katinka hozu got the four <laughs> no no i mean there's some of she's these not records. even going to paris i believe because she had a she just had a child yeah, I mean, I'm sure she's. Or I was gonna say, um, <laughs> what's her face from it? Federica Pellegrini. Pellegrini. <laughs> world record back. Like that would be epic, but that she's also retired. 
So, Kate Campbell like, in the 100 free. Um, I was wondering about who had, I couldn't remember who had the 50 and 100 free before Sarah Showstrom. Um, I think it was Brita Stefan in the uh, yeah. 50, I believe, and then Kate Campbell in the 100 free. That sounds right. Um, I like that's, I feel like there's a legitimate shot there, although I do, Kate <laughs> Campbell just swims so fast when she doesn't need to or on relays. <laughs> but then like, you know, in individual finals, I think historically that is not when she swims her fastest a lot of the time. But it's like, but Kate could pop something. Like I would not put it past her. She's like routinely just splits 51s and 50 points on relays. And it's like, that could happen. But I mean, especially on the men's side, it's like, I can't even remember who held some of these records before. Like, I mean, uh, because a lot of them are from the super suit era. So it's like, obviously, that's not going to happen. For the men, the two main ones are Chacon breaking Murphy's record in the 100 back, and then Chin Haiyang breaking Zach Stubbley Cook's record in the 200 breast. The, okay. And it's like, I don't think Ryan Murphy is going to go 51 5 in the 100 back. Do I think he could win another Olympic gold? Yes. I don't think he's going to go 51-5. Uh, do I think Zach Subalty Cook? Dude. It's like he is in his prime right now. But 2 yeah. four is so fast. Like he would have to drop. A, a, yeah, so I'm going to sink it. I'm going to sink it. I think it's a really fun conversation to have. I think that could happen. But I'm going to be a pessimist today. I don't know. I just think it's really funny every time we bring up Kate Campbell. Like she, she's just become this lightning rod of discourse this year. <laughs> it's funny. Um, I'm just gonna admit this, but I was the one who created the list of swimmers for the Thanksgiving tables. Um, that social media post we made on Thanksgiving, and I purposely, I knew I had to put Kate Campbell somewhere. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. <laughs> Uh, that is maybe the best nickname I've ever heard someone been given. Lightning Rod of Discourse, <laughs> uh, which is great. And you know, like, uh, I have I have sat at a at a um, lunch table with Kate Campbell. I think Kate Campbell really? is a great person. Um, that another benefit of the ISL, you know, you got to mingle with athletes. Um, I think Kate Campbell's great. I think she's exceedingly. She's one of the best athletes our, our sport has ever seen, but she she is a lightning rod of this point. Next up on Sink or Swim, uh, Sarah Schostrom has been named to her fifth Swedish Olympic team, which is crazy. Um, congrats to Sarah Schostrom, well earned. Uh, I am curious, and and you know she is swimming better than ever. She just broke a world record last summer in the fifty free. Uh, so sink or swim, Sarah Schostrom will win Olympic gold at her fifth Olympic Games. I'm going to swim it. I'm a little biased, mainly because I want her to win Olympic gold. I feel like that's the hole on her legacy. She has all the world records, all the world championship medals, but she, quote unquote, only has one Olympic gold medal. And I, I, all the stars are aligning for her in this Olympic year. She's fresh off a world record. She's four tenths faster than the rest of the world. Come on. she. I'm going to swim her winning Olympic gold in the 53. I mean, 50, yeah, 53. 
yeah, I, I think <clears throat> she seems to be in great form. Um, I think it's fair to say she's in the twilight of her career. I love the post she made about this. Um, you know, she, she went to Beijing, she went to London, you know, in Rio, she won a hat trick of medals, gold, silver, and bronze, including individual gold in the hunter fly in Tokyo. She won a silver where she was coming off an injury and she even had the little robot arm flexing emoji yeah. next to her silver metal, silver metal emoji. And then, you know, in, in Paris, she has the grandma emoji. Um, and so it's like, I think she's in great form. She's I'm, I'm guessing she's enjoying what she's doing. Barring she doesn't uh, slip on ice again and break her elbow. Knock on wood. Knock yeah. on wood. Uh, it's like, uh, yeah, I think she's in great form. I think the 50 free is, is hers to lose if she's going into uh, Paris in, in top form. So I'm pulling for Showstrom. <clears throat> Do you remember who, who won the 50 free in um, Tokyo? McKeon, Emma McKeon. That's right. I looked at this yesterday when I was researching it. I keep forgetting about <laughs> Emma McKeon because she's been kind of quiet the last couple of years. Yeah, so. yeah. She I mean, she was she's been quiet before Tokyo, exploded during Tokyo, and then was quiet after Tokyo. Oh, which like quiet relatively like she still swam really well at world champs this past summer she just didn't win seven golds like she did in tokyo or however many it was it was was it seven seven medals seven medals okay so emma mckeon definitely a contender but i think showstrom has it if she's in good form all right next up uh do you think that the 1000 freestyle should be eliminated from dual meets this was our swim swam pulse last week um 53.7 percent said no we should keep the thousand free in college dual meets 26 percent said yes we should eliminate the thousand and add the 1650 wrong and 19 percent said yes we should eliminate the thousand 500 free should be the longest event in a college team. okay i'm gonna say yes we need to we should keep it but we should place the event in an other time slot because <laughs> I, I understand i understand the complaint about how <laughs> You're all excited watching the 200th medley relay, but then you get a bunch of heats of the 1,000, and it kills all the excitement. I totally get that. Really? I don't really know how we can solve that, but I, I understand the complaint. But also, distance swimmers are people, too. You can't just leave them with no appropriate <laughs> events to swim or force them to sprint just because they're not entertaining enough. Um and they need the racing experience as well. So you can't you can't just make them only swim a five thousand, especially if they're a Bobby Fink type swimmer that really airs towards the a thousand and the mile. I think we need to keep that for them. You you can't just totally throw it out. Mm. Mm. Uh, I um, I think the thousand should be eliminated from college dual meets. I, I honestly. I just think that we should have a variety of event lineups for college dual meets, which people are leaning towards anyway. We, we talk about this every breakdown. This one's no exception. Mm -hmm. We've seen the yeah. Fins meet at UNCW Tennessee. 
we saw the the super final meet at Texas UVA. It's like I think do I I respect that there is a set event lineup for college dual meets. I think that needs to go away. I think we should just oh, totally sure. change it up. Whether it's just switch the events, sorry, switch the event lineup or switch the events, I think people should be racing different things throughout the season. I think that would make it way more exciting for yeah. fans. I think if you were like, hey, this dual meet, it's going to be a sprint one. And maybe the next one, it's a distance one, which does sound kind of boring. But, you know, it's like maybe you put your sprinters in the 500 free or the 400 IM just because. And it's like, hey, why not? You know, this is the distance duel or whatever. Um, so that's what I think should happen with college dual meets is that you swim a lot of different events and the dual meet format changes from meet to meet. But uh, <clears throat> I'm fine with the thousand being in a normal college dual meet format. I do think it should change places. It should not be the, the first individual event. Like you said, Yin Yin, 200 medley relay gets a lot of hype and excitement going. And then right into the thousand just kills it all. And if you've ever been to a dual meet, you know that that is the case. Put the thousand much later or put it during diving or do something else because that it's like we want to see quick bang, boom. Yeah, lots of cheering, lots of hype. And it's like that really sets the tone for the rest of the meet. So I don't, yeah, move it. I'm fine with keeping it, I guess, if you're just going to keep a normal lineup, but move it to somewhere else. I do not think that any dual meet needs a mile, <clears throat> except maybe a distance dual meet. So that's my take. You see, I don't like the idea of different dual meets, different format dual mm -hmm. meets throughout the season because that's just too confusing. And we want, we want, swimming to be understandable if, imagine a basketball game with different formats throughout the season this like imagine a, imagine a college basketball team that has a designated game where they're only allowed to shoot threes like wouldn't that be so confusing okay that would be kind of i would watch that but there's a team there's a team that does that i think it's grinnell right there's like a team grinnell. that only shoots threes anyway not important. I just watched a video about it the other day. The point, but this isn't basketball. This is swimming. Like the Cal Stanford triple distance meet, for example, you know, where everyone, you do a 50, 100, 200 of whatever stroke or 100, 200, 400 IM or distance people have 200, 500,000. <clears> like that's a cool meet. And they do it every year. And it's like, it's just something different. Um, like I want meets like that or like the fins meet or the super final meet, like you get excited for it because it's something new and different. And I think, I, I think it would work in swimming. We've, we're already seeing it work. What we need to do period is to make dual meets have some sort of implication towards championship season or else we're going to devolve into this discourse about what dual meets mean and what we can do with them every single year. It's a good point. Anyways. All right. That's a that's enough talk about the thousand. Yeah. And finally, today on Sinker Swim, we this article just came out. Uh Russia floats the idea of dual meet with US after 2024 World Championships in February. I thought this was a joke article at first. 
I'm surprised this is not April Fools. <laughs> so sink or swim, U.S. dual meet with Russia. No comment. <laughs> no comment. I I was I'm just very confused. I have so many questions, and probably won't get any answers. I'm just gonna say no comment. So I want to read uh, some quotes from this article. <clears throat> Um, Vladimir Salnikov, who is Russian, Swim Russian Swimming Federation leader, said on Saturday he approached USA Swimming with a proposal to face off in a dual meet next February, immediately after the 2024 World Champs in Doha. I approached USA Swimming about holding a match immediately after World Champs in Doha, Salnikov said. Now they are considering this proposal, but some people with whom I spoke, including legendary American coach Mark Schubert, were very positive. However, USA Swimming uh, Chief Commercial Officer Shana Ferguson said leadership of USA Swimming has not spoken to the Russian Swimming Federation about this matter. So a little bit of a mixed message there. I don't, I do not think this will happen. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think there's any way. Should it? Absolutely. I think it would this be fun be, to watch. It would be fun to watch. It would be great for media. I mean, it's, it's. In the in the grand scheme of like what it does for swimmers, it's just another opportunity to do a race. Like it's it's like going to a long course swim meet, a, a pro swim in February. You know, it's like they don't have to make it bigger than it is. They don't even have to wear suits if they want. They could wear practice suits. You know, it's like do would make it whatever you want. But it's like the reality is you get to race really fast swimmers, and for everyone else, we get to make a ton of hype about it we get to get excited about like oh are the russians gonna break world records you know because they get to to race it's like if it happened in the u.s <laughs> we almost never get to see the likes of evgeny rylov or clement kaleshnikov race on u.s soil i don't know if rylov would even get to swim in this but yeah it, it, anyway like i think it would be freaking awesome to see this but I, I absolutely do not think it will happen. There's yeah, <laughs> I think most likely what's going to happen is that some something I don't know. I don't think it's going to be caused by the swimmers is going to make this controversial, and it's just not. It's just not going to go well. But the the swimming in itself, I agree, it could be fun to watch. It will be fun to watch. But I don't know. I just don't think it's going to happen either. Yeah, I, I I think it's slim to none chances, but guess we'll see. Uh, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Swim Swim Breakdown. That is your week's news in swimming. We will see you next time.